This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, so the Calgary Flames are back at home Wednesday evening against the Colorado Avalanche. Five-game road trips wrapped up. Just one more road game this month ahead of the NHL's All-Star break. It comes just as the homestand finishes. They're off for a quick night in Seattle. But how do we look back at what we just saw for the Flames? Six of a possible ten points. Wins in St. Louis and in Dallas. Losses to Chicago. Losses to Nashville. And a loss to St. Louis. That's the question I have for the fan feedback line. Sportsnet 960 text line available to you at 960-960 here on the program. Happy, satisfied, disappointed. How do you look back on the last five games for the Calgary Flames on this road trip? They're over, you know, the halfway mark of points for the trip. So I suppose that's a positive. 6 of 10 is definitely good. You've lost more games on the trip than you won. But all the losses were one-goal games. Every loss for the Flames this month, including the opener this month against against the Jets in January 3rd, a one-goal game. It's become... A bit of a, a running joke around Flames Twitter and different, you know, the one goal game. That's what it's going to wind up being. Every game on the road trip, except for the win in St. Louis, was a one goal game. So I'm curious, 960-960, and I'll ask my wonderful production team of Cam and Taylor the exact same question. Five game road trip. You hit it for points. You didn't win as many games as you lost. And the last game is a loss against Nashville. Positive? Negative? Somewhere in the middle? Taylor, I'll start with you. I feel like it was a little subpar. Fair. When you're looking at the points, it's great. But if you're looking at the play, it wasn't so great. Cam? I mean, I hate to be the the reiteration of glass half full, glass half empty kind of guy. But there's two ways you look at it. It's like Taylor said, you're happy. You won against Dallas, who's very good. Or you can look at it and say, huh, we uh, we lost to Chicago. I don't know how to feel about it. Yeah, it's tough. I, I think I look at it from a couple different perspectives. And we'll hear from Nikita Zadorov and Daryl Sutter uh, post-game in just a couple moments here. Get a feel for a couple guys today as well. Uh, Daryl Sutter spoke to the media. Tyler Toffoli spoke to the media ahead of tomorrow's game. I wonder if it feels different 
if, and I'm not going to say last, obviously if last night is a win, you feel differently about it. But if you somehow come out of it, if you get those six points in a different way, you know what I mean? If yeah, those two wins, if you come out of it, it's just, it's hard for me to look at a road trip and go, yeah, that was great. I mean, points wise, you're right, Taylor. It was great. They got six out of 10. There's some tough opponents in there. You kept St. Louis from gaining a lot of ground on you in the wild card race. That's all positive things, but from a pure wins and loss standpoint, you lost more games than you won, and the loser point kind of helps you, I don't know, I guess we'll say salvage or feel better about it, but I, I don't, I'm not negative about it. I mean, as a whole, it's great as the, the stat came out yesterday as part of our stat pack ahead of the games, you know, since late December. Or I guess I think it was mid-December. You know, the only team in the NHL or in the Western Conference that had gathered more points than the Calgary Flames were the Winnipeg Jets. Minnesota was tied with Calgary at 28. So while it hasn't been all wins, they've certainly mixed in their fair share of overtime losses. More nights than not lately, they've been able to win games or at least find a way to get a point. And that's kept them where they are. I think these next five games are going to be incredibly interesting as far as what this outlook is for the team heading into the All-Star break. It's a unique homestand. 7.30 Wednesday against Colorado. Two days off. Thursday, Friday. Afternoon matchup at home. Goudreau is back with Columbus on Monday. Two more days off, back-to-back, at home against Chicago, and then into Seattle. Some tough opponents, some lesser opponents, but a decent amount of rest mixed in there as well. So it's going to be important for this team to to pick it up. We'll get to some of your texts here, 960-960. Thoughts on, you know, this road trip for the Calgary Flames. Happy, disappointed, were you hoping for more? What uh, what are you feeling following this five-game road trip? And uh, while you get your text in, we'll uh, take this from Daryl Sutter. Uh, a longer media session for Daryl today. Uh, he spoke following a morning skate with his team ahead of the matchup against Colorado. So this is uh, just from not all that long ago at the Scotiabank Saddledome, head coach Daryl Sutter. Uh, sitting down with the media at the Saddledome. Thoughts on the road trip, Jacob Pelchier, and more. Here's head coach Daryl Sutter. How do you view tomorrow against Colorado? How would you set that game up? Uh, we've played them already. Obviously, we played them opening night. And with real similar uh, roster, you know, they didn't get into their injury trouble till after. Right? If you look at it, other than the captain, I think it's pretty much the same team as we played first night. So, uh, do some work off that and play. Does the significance seem any different when that's a team that you're now pretty close with in the in the standings? Well, they're the defending Stanley Cup champions, and they still got 40 games left, or whatever it is. So you start the year with 164 points. They'll still, I would bet on Colorado making the playoffs, <laughs> and I'd bet on on them being one of the three in their division. 
We know we've asked uh, Jonathan Huberto about his shooting at different points in the year, and he's told us that he knows he needs to shoot. What do you do when you have a player who knows he has that talent to shoot but doesn't shoot enough, and what do you do to try to get him to just shoot more? Just what we're doing right now, tell him to shoot. I mean, his career has shown it, right? There's a reason, he's, there's a reason he had a career where he's put up. He, he's not a big goal scorer, so that's not, that's not, a, fa- that's not a big thing, right? The, the thing is, you take all last year, then all those guys that had career years last year, there's lots of guys that we're familiar with. Uh, so if you take that career year out, then you, do, then you do their actual average if they're a veteran, meaning a guy who's played five to ten years, whether he's a forward or defenseman, then that's their number they should be hitting. So that number goes right across the board. It should say games played, goals, assists, points, plus minus, shots, uh, time on, even strength, time on ice. If you do it, just do it right across the board, then you can get a good read on that player. How important, you mentioned he's most, you know, he's been a playmaker in his career, but how important is the shooting threat for Jonathan to set up those assists? Like how? Well, it's, you, you're not going to have very many points whether their goals are assists if you don't shoot. That's the way it works because you can defend guys who, hey, he don't want to shoot, he ain't ever going to shoot, just take his receivers away. I mean, there's players in the league like that. The game's changed. You have to play a very, very, very moving. It's, it's not about the points at the end. It's about how you're playing. The game's about motion. And the faster you go, the better you, the better the game is, the better you are, and the better the team is. So you have to make those adjustments as a player. What have you, what have you seen out of Jacob Peltier since he's gotten recalled? I like Jacob. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, that's a box. Right? That's a that's a man still in that sort of box, right? So, you know, not. So that's what it is. I like him. I like, I, you know, what he's. It's on record, and I've said it. He said it too. After he had, didn't have a very good training camp, he we played him a couple of games, and that's that's what he deserved. Or one game, I think. He didn't have a very good training camp, so then he went down, and he didn't have a very good start. But then he really, and that was evident too. I watched, and I pulled for the young fellow. So, uh, but then his game really picked up and took off, and and uh, he was a really important player there. And, and that's part of the development. You bring him up, so I could tell them, tell these guys, you bring them up on trips, and then they have to, they have to watch how guys, before you can play in the NHL, or before you can be successful in the NHL, you have to, you have to be around those guys, see what it's like, see how they pick somebody out and prepare like him and work like him in practice and and don't think you're him or don't think you're him. Think that's I'll tell you who I think you're like and go from there and it's you know good really you know the thing with with uh, Pelch it's always going to be his size right so you know he's as he gets a little stronger and, and gets a little more weight then 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 he's going to have a better opportunity. That's what happened with him. He's, and he can still do that. He's only 21. Where when you do comparisons to other players in the organization, that's they may be maxed out there. But this boy is not. And he's got an energy for it and a passion for it and a, 
and a work ethic for it, and, and he's a good kid. When you chat with, or sorry, when we chat with Mitch Love about him or anyone, that sort of energy and enthusiasm and passion always seems to come up. So could you kind of see that as he tried to soak up what you were asking him to on the road? Yep, he's excited to be there, be here. And at the end of the day, I want to, I want to get him in, but you know what? We're not 10 up and we're not 10 out. <laughs> so that's, that's the way it works. Similar or different are the challenges that Roman Yossi and Kel McCarr present? Uh, Roman Yossi, meaning? The type of player they are and, and how difficult it is to maybe defend them or, or kill plays when they've got yeah, it. Yeah, I think they're different type players. So, I mean, that, that central division is, is uh, loaded with top-end defensemen, so it's not just... You got to watch those players play, and then you then you can make your own. What you think? We don't often see a, a team come in after this long of a road trip. What did you have the guys do today? Uh, we just came in. We did some treatments, and guys who didn't play skated, and the goalie who didn't play last night did a little bit of work, and everybody else does some activation work. Where do you uh, just overall see your power play right now, and, and how it's uh, how it's trending? Yeah, I think what you know we do it. So this morning the coaches work on the, breaking the trip out, right? So we can give the players some some feedback on how they did individually during the trip, and then into lines, pairs, power play, penalty kill. You know, a lot of different things, face-off situations, things like that. Uh, so if you just look at the trip, you could say we scored four goals, and and we had parts of those games where we didn't score, which would include last night where we had basically played the whole shift shift in the in the ozone, and so then you need to get a result there, right? So you can say you scored four goals in five games, but you could also say that two of those games, uh, one being last night and one being being uh, overtime in in uh, St. Louis, that if the power play red light win or get one more point. You often talk about Brett Ritchie as a guy that maximizes his skill set to the extreme. Do you, do you kind of view Walker Dewar that way as well? Just the guy that's on the fourth line and knows his role and excels at it, and without trying to do too much. No, I thought he was good in the first couple of games and. It was like when we called Zahorna up there good early, and then as it went along, then the excitement wears off. But you want to be a good pro, the excitement doesn't wear off. It gets higher. So in terms of comparing him to Brett Ritchie, that's not there yet. There you go. That's head coach Daryl Sutter. He spoke to the media this afternoon following a morning skate for his team. Lots of positives uh, about Jacob Pelche, wanting to get him in. Um, but the luxury of doing that in Daryl's mind, they're just not far enough ahead in a situation to put a guy like Pelche in. I'm, I'm sure people will feel a certain way about that, but that's at least, uh, you know, some insight from the head coach on his thinking and why perhaps we didn't see Jacob Pelche in uh, over this five game road trip. Uh, we did ask the fan feedback line nine six zero nine six zero thoughts on the five game road trip. 
Uh, some texts uh, that you guys sent in uh, to the fan feedback line. I'll read some of them here. Uh, this text says, not great. Their points total and wins don't tell the story. Shouldn't have lost to Chicago. Uh, let St. Louis come back and win. Let Dallas come back. These wins should be more dominant if you're an experienced team built for the playoffs. This text says, logo, flames are mid. The road trip was mid. This team is in the second wild card, which is the epitome of mid. Uh, this one, if you want to be a slightly above average team, then six out of eight points on a road trip is great. If you have aspirations of winning a Stanley Cup, that isn't going to cut it. Uh, Jim texts in, the road trip was pretty much the same as the rest of the season so far. Very mediocre. Uh, this one, no, this is an average trip. I'm not happy. I'm not angry. Their play does not excite me one way or another. This feels like a team that will be boring the remainder of the year. They don't have a player on the team that truly excites me. Uh, this text says, my dude, the team has played 45 games. They're essentially 21 and 24. That's no bueno. Loser points bonanza. Uh, this one, Flames' best chance to jump up and out of the wild card, and they lost three games against teams lower in the standings, two notably lower. Great we beat Dallas. Overall losing record, total fail in my opinion. Season's not over, but trip is still a failure. Uh, Todd texted in, said, it's very hard to believe in a team that has not dominated games, is unable to hold leads, and always seems out of sync for at least one period of every game. I have little confidence in the Flames right now, and even if they make the playoffs, I doubt they'll win more than two games. So, as I figured, it's it's a mixed bag on the text line. That's kind of where I think a lot of people came out on the road trip is 6 out of 10 is is good. That's probably at a minimum what you needed given where the Flames are in the standings and given who some of the opponents were. But yeah, I can understand why you're frustrated going back to the Chicago game. It'll be a, a conversation again next week. Yes, all the talk is going to be about Johnny Gaudreau coming back and what that means and the reaction to that will no doubt dominate the headlines as soon as that Tampa Bay game is done Saturday afternoon. But for me, it, it really is going to come down to that week before the All-Star break, with the exception of Seattle, who's uh, been winning a lot more than losing lately, Columbus and Chicago, two teams near the bottom of the standings, both teams who can envision winning the draft lottery right now and getting the opportunity to select Connor Bedard first overall. Those need to be wins for the Calgary Flames. They can't just come out and find a way to pick up a point in those games. You've got a really good opportunity. Is Colorado banged up? Sure they are, but that's still a tough test. That's Nathan McKinnon uh, and some of the best players that Colorado, Evan Rodriguez is going really well for them right now. They're getting a little bit healthier. You heard Daryl talk about Kale McCarr in that clip. Uh, Colorado's never an easy out. Afternoon game against Tampa Bay on this homestand. That's a good team in the Eastern Conference. So if you're the Calgary Flames, you've got to, I think consistency still the, the biggest issue with this team. Uh, as Todd's text, you know, pointed out the the in sync part of it and, and the sixty minute part of it is something that this team has talked about a lot this season. And I think it's something they'll continue to talk about because really outside of a couple games this year, have they had a, a true sixty minute effort? I think the four one win against St. Louis last Thursday, you're gonna talk about that as probably one of the games that's been close to, if not a full 60-minute effort. But there's got to be more of those, and I think fairly a lot of people have expected more of those uh, given the veteran nature of this team. 
it just it hasn't been there. I don't think they have the answer to that right now. We'll see over the course of this, you know, four game homestand and five games before the All Star break, uh, how much of that they can pick up. One more person to hear from today uh, at uh, the Scotiabank Saddle on following morning skate, Tyler Toffoli. Uh, his line, okay, on the road trip. I think that at times they needed more from the Lindholm Toffoli Dubé group, but. Uh, overall, it's been a good mix for those guys. Let's hear from uh, number 73, Tyler Toffoli, uh, his meeting with the media after practice today. Tyler, what's your assessment of just how the road trip went six points out of ten? Yeah, I mean, I think obviously it, uh, we let some points slip. Um, obviously starting off, we didn't start off the way we wanted to, and we didn't finish the way we wanted to. So I think at the end of the day, it's a little disappointing. Um, the way uh, everything is so close in points, you want to try and – um, gain as many as you can. Um, so I think at the end of the day, a little disappointing. Thoughts on, on your goal that was disallowed? I mean, it is what it is. Obviously, they you know that's the rule. Um, I think it's a little frustrating. I, first game of the year, my goal against Colorado, the exact the exact same thing. I I believe, but um, I mean, it is what it is. I'm not going to make a big deal of it. I had multiple other opportunities to score throughout the game, and um, that's just the way it goes. Like you mentioned, it's a pretty quick turnaround. Is is that a hint at, at the acknowledgement or of how big tomorrow is? Like, do you think you guys are here because tomorrow is massive? Yeah, I mean, it's every game right now is massive. Um, playing another team that's right behind us um, in the wild card race. Unfortunately, that's kind of where we're at right now, and um, we got to be ready to go. And um, they're playing good hockey. They have some amazing, extremely talented hockey players over there, and guys who have won so they know um, how important these games are too so it's going to be a good match. I know the idea is always to just focus on your game and, and what you guys have to do to be at your best. Is, is that challenge any different against the defending champions? Yeah, I think um, from from my experience uh, the year after we won it, it felt like every team was ready for you and um, every team knew that they wanted to, to knock you off so at the end of the day we got we to gotta be one of those teams we got to be hungry and we got to be desperate and um, you know, be ready to play at home again. There you go. Tyler Toffoli of the Calgary Flames. They're back in action on Wednesday night. They welcome in the Colorado Avalanche for the first of four at home. Back in black, they'll be wearing uh, their third jerseys, uh, Blasty, uh, for the first three games of this four-game road trip. So we're going to be looking good uh, against the defending Stanley Cup champions tomorrow night. We'll take a break, finish off hour two next with a chat with Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca. Wildcard weekend is in the books for the NFL, and we can look ahead to what should be an exciting divisional round matchup. Just eight teams left in the NFL's playoff races. Tom Brady's future after losing last night to the Dallas Cowboys and more. That's coming up when Sportsnet Today returns here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Sportsnet Today continues here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Thanks for tuning in. NFL wildcard weekend is in the books. Look ahead to the divisional round starting Saturday afternoon. Where the AFC champion Kansas City Chiefs host the Jacksonville Jaguars. We've got the Giants and the Eagles. Sunday, we finally get the Bengals and the Bills. Cowboys and 49ers ended off. It was a crazy weekend of games. We've had plenty of fallout since then. More of it today, this time from the L.A. Chargers. 
Seems as though for right now, Brandon Staley's job is safe, but his offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, and quarterback coach Shane Day have been fired. They had a massive collapse against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's just one story uh, from Super Wildcard Weekend. Here to uh, discuss more of them with us is a writer from Sportsnet.ca. Her latest piece up at Sportsnet.ca. Uh, of course, NFL Wildcard takeaways. Prescott eases doubts. Cowboys shut down Brady's box. It's uh, Emily Sadler joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Emily, thanks for doing this. How are you? I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. And also, thank you for that Sum 41 opening. That took me, like, way back. It was great. <laughs> hey, no problem. We're right back to junior high for me, so. <laughs> it's great. It's my show. I'm going to play whatever uh, I liked in grade 7, apparently. So. I respect it. Thank you. I'm I appreciate in. that. Uh, I was just mentioning it here, and I've talked about it for the last couple of days. It was a really fun weekend of football. Um, maybe not the most entertaining game to finish things off, but overall, I think uh, a pretty good product for everyone to look back on these last three days, Emily. Yeah, it really was. It's funny kind of looking back on the weekend. I mean, that first game was, was one of those, like with the Seattle Seahawks and the 49ers, it was kind of, it started out the closest and then it ended up being such a blowout. And I was sort of wondering if, you know, we might see more of the same with Chargers Jaguars, but Honestly, that weekend, that was a great weekend of football. We kind of got a little bit of everything. Yes, we had sort of a lopsided matchup, especially on, on Monday night, as you noted. But we had some incredible comebacks. And I just have to say, like, wildcard weekend, it just really never ceases to put on a great show. And that was really fun. It was. Now we've got an awesome slate of divisional games to look forward to mm-hmm. this weekend. Uh, did want to go through some of the games with you and sort of get your feel. And let's start with that Chargers game. They've had the one, uh, you know, the biggest, obviously one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history happened to them in that second half. They've got some fallout today. I mentioned Joe Lombardi and Shane Day have been fired. But I guess just as that game was going on, Emily, uh, after the first half performance that the Chargers put on, I- I'm a Chargers guy myself, so I knew the game wasn't over, but yeah. I'm just curious from someone that watches the NFL as a whole and catches it, how surprised were you to see that sort of collapse happen Saturday night? Yeah, it was, I mean, as as you well know, and I'm, I'm sorry that you do, it's <laughs> when the Chargers, right? Like there is always in the back of your mind, like, I don't know, what if, what if? But still it seemed, you know, it seemed so, so unlikely, particularly it wasn't just that, you know, the Chargers were playing really well in that first half. It was just that the Jags were playing really poorly. Trevor Lawrence, he threw four picks. It was just, you know, I was almost feeling more like, you know, I was kind of just rooting for the Jags to make something even slightly interesting, right? Um, So, yeah, that was, to say it was a surprising outcome was definitely an understatement. I, I feel like that game kind of, summed up in a nutshell a little bit of what Trevor Lawrence's season has been. I mean, he wasn't great in the first half of the season. The Jags looked a little bit disjointed. You could tell there were maybe some confidence issues. He's spoken about that quite a bit. And then, yeah, to see him come out in the second half, we saw a confident quarterback. We saw a team that was, they they looked like they were having a blast, you know, once they put a couple points on the board, um, it really, that was such a wild comeback. And it was, again, just one of those, like, it made me cringe for all the Chargers fans because, 
yeah, you've been through a lot. And I say this as a former Browns fan myself. And I even even for me to say, oof, you guys have been through quite a bit. <laughs> it, <laughs> that was that was painful. And I, I feel for I mean, I feel for Justin Herbert. I can't help it mm. because he's such a talent. And I just, you know, I I want to see him make a deep run in the playoffs. I feel like football fans deserve to see him make a run in the playoffs. Um and, you know, hopefully they'll get things right. Um, yeah, I, I have to think that that offensive coordinator opening is, like, the most uh, – such an interesting vacancy, right? It's mm-hmm. um, It's got to be – there's got to be a lineup at the door for candidates for that one just to have the opportunity to work with that talent there. Yeah, 100%. You think about all the young quarterbacks in the league, especially in the AFC and – uh, you know, a chance to to really work with Justin Herbert going forward has to be exciting for a number of people out there. And speaking of the young quarterbacks, you mentioned Trevor Lawrence there. Uh, as we head into the divisional round, at least in the AFC side of things, Emily, he now joins a really interesting class of young quarterback. Mahomes is in there. Obviously, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow have a great thing going there. Is Trevor Lawrence, when you look at him, is he sort of entering that same group of of great young quarterback in the AFC like we've seen with so many of these other guys? Yeah, I think he is, and he at least has a real opportunity to do so. Um, And I don't think he needs to – I don't think he needs to, you know, beat the Chiefs um, to be part of that group. I think he needs to have a really strong performance. I think he needs to show up like he did in the second half of this game. But, yeah, he's such an interesting case because, you know, as a first overall pick in 2021 – there's, you, you know, he's born to be a star. You know that he's going to be. But I think the situation he was put in last year, obviously in Jacksonville, was pretty terrible. Um, and so it's, I feel like just now we're getting to know who he is. We're kind of getting to know um, where he thrives. And I just think that that for him, that mental game has been has been so big. Um, and so it when you yeah when you look at this AFC field the average age is like 25 years old for these quarterbacks like what a what a special group and I do think that Lawrence he belongs one of the guys that's really cemented himself there is is Josh Allen they had quite the game against the Miami Dolphins everybody including myself wondered just how much of a blowout this would be against Skylar Thompson mm-hmm. and the Dolphins it clearly didn't go that way but I wonder if that's not good news for the Bills to have a little bit of adversity heading into a big matchup against Cincinnati. The the Dolphins for a while there looked like they might be able to pull off an upset of their own. Yeah, they really did. And you know what? That's a great point. I think a lot of things have come fairly, a lot of wins have come fairly easy for the Bills. They obviously had, um, I mean, yeah, on the field and off, they had a lot of, a lot of hurdles, a lot of emotion. They've really been through a lot this season. And so, Maybe it's not fair to say things have come easy, but I think on the field in terms of, you know, just the talent that they have, uh, I mean, they've been the Super Bowl favorite from the start. So I think that's a good point that knowing that, you know, you can never count an opponent out, even when you're facing a third stringer quarterback. Um, I think it probably was a really good lesson in resilience and in just being able to stick to your game. Um, play your game. Josh Allen has proven himself time and time again to be, you know, a clutch player, a great leader, 
And I think that was just a good lesson for them to start the playoffs to know, um, you know, you've got to play from right from the kickoff right to the final down. And how exciting now. Obviously, we didn't get this in the end of the regular season with the DeMar Hamlin situation, but now mm-hmm. a chance in the postseason to see Joe Burrow versus Josh Allen in Buffalo. I know people are already wondering, is DeMar Hamlin going to be able to make an appearance and how cool would that mm-hmm. be? But, I mean, that's got to be the the biggest game in the divisional round to see these two powerhouses go head-to-head, Emily. Yeah, I think you're so right. I think it's going to be... I can't even really imagine just how emotional that matchup is going to be. Um, But yeah, in in terms of how they match up on the field, when we actually get into that football game, it is, yeah, it's almost hard to put into words, like how much of a great clash that's going to be. I mean, as you said previously, like two of the premier young quarterbacks in the league, these teams, I think they match up really well. Um, You know, I think we didn't see the best version of the Bengals on Sunday, but yeah, I'm, I'm almost like, I can't decide which matchup is my favorite one that I'm, I'm most looking forward to, but I mean, that's, I think that one's got to be it. Uh, I did want to talk to you about last night because it was, it was still an interesting matchup. The Cowboys had their way for most of the game. I thought Dak Prescott looked really impressive. And of course, any playoff game that has a Tom Brady storyline is always going to be interesting. But what's, what kind of stood out for you the most last night as the Cowboys picked up their first road playoff win in a very long time? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that's a great question. I think, I mean, there's no doubt that that Dallas defense was just stifling, right? Um, you could even tell, like, I feel like at points, Tom Brady's body language, you just was, they just, they were never in it. Um, but I have to point out Dak Prescott's performance. I mean, I think going into this game, it was kind of an interesting case, right? Because you have, you know, the Cowboys had four more wins than the Bucks in the regular season. And yet the Tom Brady factor, it kind of felt like, you know, I don't think anyone was going to be surprised if the Buccaneers were going to win that one. Um, Dak went into it on a, you know, a skid of having seven straight games with an interception and led the league in interceptions. And so for him to put down that stat line, you know, four touchdown passes, one touchdown on the ground, um, no, no picks. He just played such a solid game. And I really think it erased so many doubts in terms of that capability of is this the guy like can he lead America's team to a playoff run that we haven't seen from them in a really long time I think it's also fitting I love the drama of them going to San Francisco and sort of you know it's very fitting to kind of revisit that um, 90s rivalry so I'm I'm really looking forward to that one and and to seeing if now Dak can move forward with this kind of momentum right it was first erase the doubts and now you know prove us all right and I, I wonder, too, if, if not only Dak feels like that, but I wonder if Mike McCarthy feels that way, too, because mm-hmm. it's never quiet in Dallas at the best of times, and it, it feels like when, when a guy like Sean Payton is out there that, of course, everybody is going to kind of be looking towards who that next head coach might be. And similar to what Absolutely. you said, Emily, about Dak and sort of getting that momentum finally going with a playoff win, I, I wonder if Mike McCarthy can finally go into next week feeling a little bit of ease as well. Not that he's going to take his foot off the gas, but he can finally sit there and say, look, I've got a playoff win under my belt. I should feel good about myself and what we've done so far this year, and maybe not 
worry about his job security quite as much. Mm -hmm. Honestly, that's such a great point. Yeah, I feel like those Sean Payton rumors have just been swirling all year. And at this point, I mean, with this kind of success, it, it would feel quite stunning to replace him. I mean, he's more than earned the right to keep that job. Um, he's doing a great job with them. It's clear that the players are really, they have all the confidence in him. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with, you know, Dan Quinn. There's, I can't see him not landing a head coaching job elsewhere um, after heading up that amazing defensive performance all year. But yeah, it, it does make you wonder if Mike McCarthy, yeah, as you said, can breathe a little easier and maybe focus on just having a little more fun and not always playing for his job. Okay. Tough one for you. If you're only available to watch one game next no. weekend, you got to give me one of the four, Emily, the rest of them, you can't PVR them, nothing. You're only going to get to watch one of them. Which is the one that you would watch? This is the worst question, but I will answer it. And I think I have to go I have to go Bengals-Bills. I have to go with okay. the game that emotional. Um, it's, you know, the, the matchup we didn't get to see. It's also, you know, two of – Two of the best young quarterbacks who have yet to win it all. Um, I think that's got to be my pick. Plus, they're just both, both of those quarterbacks. I mean, as much as I, it pains me to miss a Patrick Mahomes performance, I feel like <laughs> of the matchup here, both quarterbacks are capable of each game having one of those plays that's like, he just did what? How, how did he do that? And yeah. so that's got to be it. And I mean, it's also so hard to ignore Giants Eagles like underrated. That's going to be fun. Yeah, all of a I, sudden I'm, three NFC East teams there. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's this. That's a tough question, but I'm going to stick with my first one. Going to go Bengals Bills. I don't mind that answer. <laughs> that's a pretty good one, Emily. <laughs> thanks so much for the time. Really do appreciate it. Uh, I know it was the last minute we reached out, but uh, love reading your stuff at Sportsnet.ca. We'll catch up with you again maybe a little later on in the playoffs. Hey. Eh? Great. Thanks so much. That was fun. Thank you. Emily Sadler joining us. She writes for sportsnet.ca. You can find her on Twitter at uh, Emmy Sadler, uh, joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. And yes, four great divisional games coming up this weekend. Starts with Jags, Chiefs, Giants, Eagles on Saturday. Then we run into the Sunday slate, Bengals, Bills. That's going to be a great one. Dallas is off to San Francisco to take on Brock Purdy and the 49ers. And how about that line early on for the 49ers? Uh, favored by three and a half points for the last overall pick of the draft uh, going up against Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys as a playoff favorite on Sunday. Uh, of course, the losing side of things, always interesting. Uh, and the uh, storylines for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going forward is, of course, around Tom Brady and the future of their quarterback. Uh, not a stellar performance. It wasn't a stellar year for him. Does he come back to football? Does he come back to Tampa Bay? Lots of questions around Tom Brady. Uh, here is his post-game media address from last night. Uh, not diving into any details. Still saying he's going to take it day-to-day, but uh, no doubt an interesting offseason coming forward for football's greatest quarterback. Not the way we wanted to end it. But we didn't deserve it. I give them a lot of credit. They played a good game. Made a lot more plays than we did. And uh, so, tough night.
Dallas do anything defensively that was uh, at all surprising out there uh, from a scheme standpoint? Uh, they played pretty good. You know, they played good defensively and put a lot of pressure on us, and we just couldn't make enough plays. So it was kind of typical the way we played all year, just inefficient in the passing game and not very good in the run game. So, uh, you know, it's hard to be good teams like that. Tom, you haven't had a red zone interception in years. Just kind of what happened? Were you trying to throw it away there? Or? I was. Yeah. I was trying to throw it to Chris, and the other guys were blocking, and just trying to throw it out and didn't obviously get enough on it. That certainly didn't help our cause. Tommy, you didn't contribute to a win tonight, but just having Ryan Jensen out there tonight, snapping the ball to you, what can you say about his comeback, about his play tonight, and any type of lift that that did for you guys early in the game? Yeah, just super proud of him and all that he's gone through this year. You know, it's a tough injury that he had and battled all the way back and really committed himself the last six, eight weeks to prepare himself to play and did it. So it says a lot about who he is and uh, certainly a guy you can depend on and count on. What is your process from here when you start to think about what you want to do next? Because obviously it's going to be huge speculation. I'm going to go home and get a good night's sleep as good as I can tonight. And, and uh, Or when you want to take a step out? I mean, I would spurs. No, I'm not. You know, I, this has been a lot of focus on, you know, this game. So, yeah. It's just be one day at a time, truly. Tom, for, for, for all the struggles this season, you guys have had the, the at least the possibility of the playoffs and what could happen there. How hard is the finality of losing this season? Yeah, always tough, but, you know, we didn't earn it. So, you know, they did. Um, I think that there's a part of football where I feel like it's, you know, sometimes you get lucky, but most of the time, you know, the, the team that earns it, you know, wins. And they played good all year. They played good tonight. They played well as a team. They were very coordinated. They played well on offense, played well defensively. They missed some kicks on special teams, but you know we just we just couldn't get enough done offensively to put any pressure on them. The biggest takeaway from this year for you, just the importance of and the power of, of resilience. I know you've talked about that's that's been a lesson that you've tried to teach your kids a lot about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's I think lessons for all of us in every year of every every year of our life. So um, yeah, you always want every year to end great. Unfortunately, in sports, it doesn't work that way. There's going to be 32 teams in the league, and they're all very competitive, and only one of them is really going to feel good at the end of the year. So for as many teams that won tonight, there's going to be seven of the eight that don't feel great at the end of the year, and that's why it feels good to be when you're on top, you know, when you win it all, and it's a great feeling. Tom, do you feel like you had a bad season or a good season? How would you characterize it just for yourself? You know, we lost tonight. It was, it's a team sport, so... Never considered any individual things like that. You know, obviously we came up short as a team, and that's really all that matters. That's all I've really cared about was team success and you know how well we did as a team and how well we performed under pressure. And tonight was obviously not one of our best nights. You a good shot downfield to Julio there, but you didn't take a lot of shots down the field, especially with them down a couple of corners. Why weren't you able to maybe get more shots down the field? They were playing pretty deep most of the night. You know, we were trying to hold the ball. Problems. You know, they were getting there pretty quick at certain times in the rush, and then you know you don't hold it for that long, and we got. Into the drive, we had some shots, so made a couple plays, but obviously. The field night, were your emotions any different than the end of another season at the end of last season? How did that sort of compare to what the feeling usually would be? Yeah, it just feels like the end of the season. So uh, I just want to say thank you guys for everything this year. I really appreciate all your effort, and I know it's hard for you guys too. It's hard for us players to make it through, and you guys got a tough job, and I appreciate all that you guys do to cover us and everyone who watches and is a big fan of the sport. We're very grateful for everyone's support and, um, you know, hopefully, um, you know, 
I love this organization. It's a great place to be, and thank you, everybody, for welcoming me, all you regulars, and um, just very grateful for the respect, and I and, uh, hope I gave the same thing back to you guys. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. There you go. That's uh, Tom Brady, his post-game address following the Bucks' loss to the Dallas Cowboys on Monday night. What does his future hold? It was a disappointing year for the Bucks overall. Does he go back to Tampa Bay? Is he done with football? You know, I'm not. I'm not going to comment on all the family stuff, but I mean, you know, going through what he went through, you would think that football is still in his future, but I really don't know. Um, could I see him somewhere else? Yeah, I probably could see him somewhere else. I'm not sure that. Uh, he's as long for Tampa Bay maybe anymore. That's been something that's been out there a lot, that when he initially made the move from New England, Tampa Bay wasn't number one on his list. It's where he wound up, and it worked out very well. But does he still feel like he can win at this league, at this level? I, I think he's maybe not the top option anymore, but he's certainly uh, a good option for a team that's looking to to make some noise and – there's obviously going to be a lot that comes along with it. Uh, if you bring in Tom Brady, we'll see what that means from a couple texts uh, at 960-960, the fan feedback line. Quickly to wrap up the show while we were talking with Emily there, uh, this text says, shouldn't it have been the D coordinator that got fired? Um, uh, that's going back to the Chargers and the Jaguars. Yeah, the problem is with the Chargers is that Brandon Staley is supposed to be, quote-unquote, the defensive guy, defensive-minded coach. He was the the you know the scheme master of the Rams and their Super Bowl championship. If you're not getting rid of him, um, I, I don't think that you're changing things up dramatically on defense because that's going to be on him to fix that, plus... The Chargers have lots of excuses to use when it comes to injuries on the defensive side of things. J.C. Jackson went down for the year. Joey Bosa missed most of the year and then was um, ineffective and quite honestly hurt his team more than he helped them when he did come back. Uh, Austin Joseph or Austin Johnson, excuse me, defensive tackle they brought in. He was hurt for most of the year, so. The, the offense, I think, was the main focus for the Chargers immediately following that loss because three points in the second half, that's not good enough. They're not utilizing Justin Herbert to the best of his ability. And to have the kind of lackluster 31st-ranked rushing offense in the league for a team that has Austin Eckler back there, that's just not good enough. So, well, I think there there's going to be some changes defensively, sure. Uh, I think it makes sense that the offensive coordinator was the one to go today with the quarterback's coach. And lastly, as this text says, uh, I, as a Cowboys fan, was nervous after the onside recovery because, well, they're the Cowboys and he's Tom Brady. Yeah, despite how lackluster it was last night and how much I thought the Cowboys dominated that game from start to finish, I don't blame that texture for sitting there and being the same way. Brady threw the ball 66 times last night. He was 35 of 66. And when he hits Julio, you're kind of like, maybe there's a chance. Maybe. He's had a couple of those this year where you're like, same old box. They can't do anything. I'm, I'm going to change the channel. But they're within a touchdown. We'll just kind of see what happens. And then sure enough, he goes ahead and, and does the thing that he always does. And that's right. As a Cowboys fan, why would you feel confident? It's like a, a Chargers fan. 
uh, feeling confident late in a, an important game. You're just more used to them blowing things than they are, you know, actually winning it. But the Cowboys looked great uh, last night. Dalton Schultz was good. That was one of the best performances I've seen from Dak Prescott. And next weekend is going to be a really good one. I'm looking forward to it. Should be a fun divisional weekend. It all starts on Saturday with the Jags and the Chiefs. Thanks to everybody in the text line at nine six zero nine six zero for uh, for chiming in. Thanks to you for listening. Always appreciate. Uh, our listeners, whether it's live or on the podcast, wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Amazon, Spotify, etc. Thanks to our guests, we had Peter Labardius, Bick Nazar, and Emily Sadler join us this afternoon. Shout out to the outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor on the other side. We'll be back tomorrow on a Calgary Flames game day, but we got to get out of here. Coming up next is the wonderful Haley Salvi, and she's got a Pat Chat and more coming up with you next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.